Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition, the first edition of Niner Sports Talk presented by Uptown Audio. It's been a long few months of the summer, but finally August is here, and so is football. And today we got Cameron Williams, my new co-host for the year, uh, in a talk about 49ers football with me. Uh, Cameron, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, very good to be back on the mic. It's Like you said, it's been a little bit of a long summer, but it's time to talk about some more Niner sports. And we have a special guest this uh, for this episode to talk about 49er football. We have Charlotte Observer, new Charlotte Observer beat writer for the 49er football team, uh, Hunter Bailey. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, first off, first things, talk about, you know, tell us what you do football-wise, writing-wise, what you did last year. I know you've kind of been around the team now uh, for, the, for, for a good part of the last year and a half or so. Yeah, it's actually been, uh, this will be the start of the fourth year. Um, I've written the past two and a half seasons with the Underdog Dynasty for SB Nation. Um, that was awesome, awesome experience. Got to meet a lot of cool people, um, travel with the team, stuff like that. But this will definitely be an interesting year. Uh, first year writing for the Charlotte Observer. Uh, definitely feel I'm excited. Yeah, I know uh, you got to fill the shoes of David Scott, who kind of, you know, had been doing it. He, he uh, kind of got it going over there, so. Uh, David's my guy. Yeah. I uh, uh, definitely can't feel his shoes, but I'm excited just to just to pick up. Yeah, it's a, you know what's going to be fun is having games. Uh, that's the number one thing. Um, and obviously, we're going to be talking about that a lot. But uh, first things first, let's go ahead and kind of dig right into it. Talking about uh, this football team. First things first, Cameron. We'll start with you. You know, what, what are these thoughts? Uh, the, the culture. Heading into year three, we we've seen it happen from year one to year three with, uh, with Healy. Um, you know, you've been around a little bit. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Healy right at about five hundred, a little bit under five hundred record as a coach. Um, really, really building a solid program. I mean, his uh, his big emphasis on media day was just building a culture that players want to you know be a part of and want to play for him and his staff. So you know, I think he's uh. He's going places. Yeah, Hunter, I know you've you've seen more. You've seen the start to finish, too. Not finish, but to, to the present. Um, I personally see a uh, build. You know, you had a rocket launch start uh, the first year going to a bowl game, and now you're really facing a test this year because last year was such a weird year. I mean, you didn't see this squad fully all year, but what are your thoughts uh, culture-wise for Healy and not just – him, but the staff and everything that's going on there. I think I definitely think this is going to be a bounce back year for them culture wise. Um, last year, like being so separated was just talking to the players, talking to the staff. That was the hardest part for them. It's not being able to have like these culture cookouts they're doing now, not being able to even have like a consistent week of practice, let alone mentally, physically prepare for a game on Saturday. I feel like when you're not there every single day that mental aspect especially for a guy like Healy who's a people person I mean you you could tell on press conferences all throughout last year it was just down that everything was just down um I bet it's hard when you know you don't know when you're, if you're playing or not but personally I think you know this is probably COVID hopefully COVID-19 or the pandemic kind of uh fading away is going to be the best thing Definitely. Um, they talked last year about not even really being able to prepare their team mentally to play, just experiencing so many games that were ripped away within 24 hours of kickoff. 
Yeah, and and then uh, I think it was one of the first games of the year. It might have been the Georgia Southern game that they could end up playing anyway. Um, so the mental aspect is going to be something to get over. But I think when you, when you look at this team now, uh, there's a lot of question marks, and maybe a question that is going to be answered soon is that quarterback room. Let's talk about it. Quarterback room. You have a you know a, a veteran like Chris Reynolds, and you have a new guy. Uh, like James uh, James Foster. So let's let's talk about it, Cameron. First off, what do you think? Uh, you know, when when you've seen a little bits of this team, um, what do you think so far of that room? Well, I think it's obvious by this point, but uh, Reynolds will probably get the start. Um, you know, just his leadership and you know his his throws are precise. He's making the right reads, the right decisions. It's not to say Foster's not a talented quarterback, but you know he's new. He's a transfer, and this is this will be his first year. And so it's just uh, coming into a new system. Granted, he's got the size, he's got the frame for it to be a great quarterback, but I just think Reynolds has that X factor of experience. Hunter, give me your thoughts. What, now, first, you know, the, when, when this, how has the narrative changed uh, throughout the offseason and camps from, you know, from the spring when Foster first uh, decided to come? So initial take was, whoa, four-star, out of high school, big offers, Texas A&M. Big frame, big arm. Just watching some of his tape. When he came in, got to see him a little bit through spring. You could tell he had played in the system before, but you could also also tell he was he was new at Charlotte. Um, he was getting the second team, sometimes third, even fourth team reps behind Schaffner, Reynolds. Um, definitely got to watch him grow, Foster through the spring. Um, there's there's two that aren't like the rest as Foster and Reynolds. Reynolds has that. Leadership factor, Cameron talked on. You can build on that all day long. You know what you're going to get with Chris. You can put the ball short to intermediate parts of the field, and he can even push it down the field. He ran a lot in 2019. It's like 757 yards. Um, that kind of faded out last year, whether it's offensive coordinator change, injury to his shoulder. Uh, you can expect to watch Chris run this year. I think he's going to pull the ball down. And he had the injuries too last year. Something that not a lot of people knew about. That guy was willing to. I know that he, the, because of those injuries, there was games that were canceled, so he didn't really have to worry about um, not playing in some of those games. I know Schaffner was lined up to start, but you know, you think of that guy at full capacity. You know, there's a part of him that is just very. I'm going to get this done no matter what. You're not going to be in my way, and I think he probably worked a little bit harder knowing that there's a guy going for his job. Oh, definitely. And that's the thing. Um, coming in with Chris, he's going to be the first guy there, the last guy to leave. That's just kind of how Reynolds is as a, as a human. Uh, but with Foster coming in, you can tell that that's pushed him harder. And James, James has definitely pushed him like to be a bigger leader because James himself is a vocal at practice. Like they're both going to talk. They're both going to, lead the team. They're both going to talk to the receiver. If they mess up a route, they're going to pull them to the side and do what a quarterback needs to do. Yep. And I've Healy touched on that. And, you know, Healy touched on how Foster at media day, uh, Healy touched on Foster has, you know, been impressive too. in those tiny facets of the game where they, that really matters, especially when you're trying to uh, a guy like Foster is trying to take a guy's job who led a team to, their first ever bowl game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens throughout the year. You know, it never, the way it starts is not always how it's going to end. 
I talked with James a little bit um, last week. He said they were kind of going through install one stuff he was familiar with, stuff from spring. Uh, but these past couple of weeks have been the first time he's really been uncomfortable in terms of learning in the schemes. So seeing him grow like that, I'm definitely excited about. Because, I mean, I I think this is Chris Reynolds' team. Like the only way that James Foster is going to 100% take over is if it's just glaringly obvious at practice or there's some kind of injury. What's that? Is that Foster, how many years eligibility? Does he have left? He's a redshirt sophomore, so I guess three, including this one. He has a little more than Reynolds. So, I mean, even then, if you look at the future, I know a lot of people, I think the big thing is people are going to look at, oh, former four-star should be starting. That's not always the case for a lot of different reasons. You know, not taking the talent away. I mean, people will look at his frame and say, well, you know, he's 6'4", you know, he's got better vision, you know, but... The, the intangibles of leadership is just, uh, I think, supersedes, you know, his height and his build. You got to get comfortable with the team. And it's it, it's hard for everyone to rat, to be like, okay, we're going to switch to a new guy right off the bat. You know, I kind of have to see how he performs in game because I'm sure he'll get, some, he'll get some time to play against some of these teams, especially early on in the season when you play a team like Gardner-Webb that I'm sure you can, you'll – the, the score will be up enough, I would hope, where you can see what he can do in real game action. Um, and obviously, we'll talk about the season overall. But you know, I, I I like the I like the direction of the quarterback room. I think it's gonna stay with Reynolds as it should for the time being. Um, going to that first game, but obviously, we'll move in to uh, talk about some other positions. I know that you know there there's some revamped revamped. Uh, Positions here. We'll start with the running back room. We'll start with you, Hunter. Talk about what you've seen. Who do you like? I know there's some transfers, some new people here. You got uh, a good history lately of good, solid, strong running backs. Definitely. Um, this year is definitely more of a question mark than it's been in a long time. Last year, they knew Trey Harbison was coming, thousand yard rusher. They knew Aaron McAllister was back. It's pretty much going to be between them. Both of those guys are gone. A guy bringing back the most carries is Calvin Camp. I think he had 19 carries. And then the leading rusher on the team is Dom Schaffner, 100 yards. So bringing in Shadrick Bird from Iowa's plus. Um, he doesn't have a lot of stats from Iowa. He played one game on special teams. But just from watching him in practice, watching him in, in the spring, and then now um, end of the fall, he's probably going to be the lead back. Um, he can catch it out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles. Calvin Camp, as I mentioned earlier, he'll be back. He's actually a converted receiver, so you can expect to see him in the spring or the screen game. So, what's that mean for the for the running game, quarterback wise? I mean, especially if Chris Reynolds, we've I've seen him before last year. Obviously, not too much, but Schaffner is also a proven, uh, dur durable quarterback who can run the ball. So. Do we see plays where it's necessity where you might not have the strongest guy in the room? Because obviously these backs, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, either of you, are not the biggest guys. So can we see some, you know, throw in? And this is a question to either of you guys personally, but I would throw Schofter in real quick so he could, you know, get a couple yards. I think they did that a lot last year. I think if they're going to, like if Foster, say Foster steps into that role, like bigger frame, and right now he's the healthy one of the two. I just think they need to mix it up. Last year, Schaffner came in the game, 
like late in the season, opposing defenses were just stacking the box because it was rare that he was going to pull it up and throw it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going to say. Was I, I'd like to see Schaffner be more uh, two-dimensional. Like, you know, like Hunter just said, whenever he came in the game, it was going to be a run. And so defenses just knew run it, they're going to run right up the middle or they're going right. to you know try to run behind one of the guards. And so they could just stuff that. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting because it's always been a position room that has just always gone back and forth, back and forth. You know, you've had guys, obviously Benny LeMay was the last set guy that had been there for a while, but, um, you know, transitioning to another position room that has, or maybe not as many question marks, is the wide receiver room. We, it, you got some guys that have been around. So first I'll, you know, the the, the two that are going to, that, that I'm looking at are going to be Victor, Victor Tucker and Cameron Dollar. So uh, Cameron, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on a, on a wide receiver room that, Probably could be uh, pretty deadly to some uh, defenses. Yeah, I mean, like you said, those two are, I mean, they're going to play. They're going to be starters more than likely. And so, you know, I look at some of the guys that might not shine all the time, and, like, one guy comes to mind is uh, Trey Good. He played outstanding in the scrimmage on Saturday, this past Saturday. And, you know, Healy said a lot of guys are stepping up in that room. It's very competitive, and there's a lot of very good receivers. But, uh you know, Trey Good really stood out to me on Saturday. I would say Grant DuBose. Um, he's actually a sophomore. He came from Miles College. It's a, I believe it's an FCS school in Alabama. Um, James Foster, I think he was telling me he saw him at a camp down there and was like, oh, we need to get this guy up to Charlotte. So, so is James Foster kind of, he was already with the team and, you know, he came in after? Yeah, I believe so. Or, yeah. And, uh, but Grant is 6'3". He's the biggest receiver on the roster height-wise. Um, he's going to be an outside guy. He can play inside, too. But he can get up. Um, he's not necessarily a burner, but he can get behind the defense. I would pay attention to him. So maybe a breakout start this year, for sure. Definitely. Um, you mentioned Vic and Cam earlier. You know what they're going to do. Uh, Vic is, in my opinion, one of the best receivers in the conference. And then a freshman um, It's actually... Vic was telling me that he's taken this freshman under his wing, um, Elijah Spencer. Really physical um, run blocking, which you got to have at the receiver position. Um, he's got quick routes. Can definitely find the hole in the defense. Um, be one to pay attention to this year, number nine. There, there's a lot of guys. I feel like this is the most diverse group of guys, that, especially in this room that in the in the, in the wide receiver room that you've that I've seen personally. Um, you know, you have some veteran guys that know what they're doing, but some guys that teams that Charlotte's played before might not they might not know what to really expect. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, I uh I, I think what we're gonna see is that wide receiver room is gonna take a little bit to kind of really gel and mesh together and have everything happen. Everything's not gonna happen at once when you have new guys, you know. Uh and this whole team, for that matter, is going to have to mesh. But uh, talking about let's let's touch the O line a little bit. Um, offensive line is something that got to protect the quarterback. So what do we think, Hunter? Uh, they can protect the quarterback this year. Allowed sixteen sacks in six games last year. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Improvements needed. That's for sure. Uh, so they brought in two Power Five chance transfers. T.J. Moore from Florida played a lot of special teams. Uh, was a reserve lineman. Did play a lot for Florida. And then Chaboise Nuana, they call him Boise from Arkansas. 
believe he's six seven. Dude's huge. Three hundred and thirty something pounds. Uh, Coach Healy told me he's coming a long way. Um, getting to see him in pads uh, was definitely a definitely a plus. He kind of jumped from that second team to the first team um, in the first couple of days of pads. So he's a lot more mobile than you would expect from a guy his size. I, I mean. He was definitely moving better than someone who's, you know, what, 328, I think he's listed at. So We also have a new offensive line coach. Um, up, there was some drama, obviously, this offseason with, <laughs> you know, who that, who that was going to be. Definitely. Uh, Lee Grimes headed out to Kansas. Now he's with LSU. Um, Herb Hand came yeah. through for a minute. That was the all-star, uh, all-star pickup. I mean, you, you look at that pickup. I remember when that happened, and I was like, Charlotte's on the map. Yeah, this is well. Not only you know recruitment wise, that's what you need. You know, a guy who with real, real pass experience. Uh, Healy's had a lot of his guys. Obviously, nothing down on them, but he's been with his guys. They stayed with him. Not a lot of guys come out of there. So uh, when you get someone like Herb Hand, and obviously you know he heads on down south. I was halfway through writing that article, and then you were like, "Nah, no, nah, he's gone." So I was, I was like, "Wow." <laughs> How long was that? Was that a it was about two weeks. It was two yeah. weeks. wasn't long. Because we, because I remember people announced it, and when we were going to write an article about, it, we we're waiting for it to be actually announced. Yeah, Tom was going to give me an interview, and then we were like, "Oh, he's gone. Never mind." Yeah, he he he'd already gone on a plane down to Orlando before we could even get anything. So now Pete Rosamundo, I think that's how you say it. Rosamundo. Yeah, close in. enough, right? I think that's it. Rosamundo. Yep. I believe he was at. Vanderbilt and Rutgers uh, coached in the O-line past couple seasons. Uh, Healy said he's a builder, someone you want to bring to your program. Uh, I talked to Hunter Kelly a little bit, the center. He said he's really good at coaching different players differently, which at this level you need that. It's not really cookie-cutter stuff anymore. Uh, he said the techniques were definitely stuff be beneficial to them in game. So I'm looking forward to see how that group develops this season. I think it's going to be one of the biggest keys to to success because you got to protect Chris Reynolds this year. There's no, you know, you have to protect him game in, game out. He's, you know, had injury problems before, so to avoid that, I think you're really going to need, um, you know, a, a guy like uh, a guy a guy like uh, uh, Rosamondo from to, to to really get this, you know, diverse group of players and get them going. Definitely. And watch out for Dimitri Emanuel. He switched to from left tackle to left guard this season. So that'll put him side Hunter Kelly and then Ashton Guest at the right guard. Seen a lot of good things on Guest this year so far. Didn't allow a sack nor have a penalty last season. Only six games, but that's still a pretty good stat. So far, just some preseason and camp and everything, it seems like he's been a guy they've been pretty high on. Yeah, not uh Talking about Hunter Kelly, I think he'll jump right in and fit in well. You know, he played behind Jalen Fisher last year, who was, you know, an outstanding talent. But, you know, Kelly looks good so far in the scrimmages and the practices I've seen him at. So I think he'll uh, I think he'll jump right in and fit in well. Kelly actually played guard last year. Uh, there was one game, the best game was the North Texas game. And um, Jalen moved to right guard, and they had Hunter at center. And... And I think they rushed for like 260 in that game, four rushing touchdowns. So him at center, now they got big guards around them. I, I would like to thank the group. Yeah, it's going to be a good-looking group. And, I mean, they got all the pieces around that group to really uh, to, the, 
to shine. But let's move into the defense. Defense was one of the weak points last year. You uh, you see it in just looking what happened last year with uh, some bigger games. You know, to to kind of recap for those people that not might not remember you. Uh, obviously, you go to app. You could have used that defense late in the game. I mean, it was we had you're there. They had that team throughout the game. You lose thirty five twenty. Then uh, you know you go to Florida Atlantic. Defense is another game that you just you keep on thinking about plays. That's where it could have really helped. You think about uh, Duke. Obviously, I don't. Obviously, a lot of things went wrong. Everyone knows that, but defense could have helped. So let's talk about defense. Hunter first uh, additions. What's going to help? I mean, you got to fill a guy. Uh, ben DeLuca leaving. Talk about that. I know uh, Cameron talked about that earlier. So let's uh, talk about the defense. So they've brought in a lot of transfers. The entire secondary basically is going to be a, a Division One Power 5 transfer. Um, and what? So give us some names. Um, and We're looking at uh, John Alexander from Kansas State. He's been very vocal at practice. Definitely going to be one of the leaders of these guys. Someone like Tank Robinson from East Carolina. Tank had two 70-plus tackle seasons, three interceptions in 2019. Um, he's going to be a great addition. And then someone who Coach has been really high about is Giovante Howard. Um, he's coined him as a lockdown corner. He's basically told me there's a number one receiver on the other team. This is who you put him on. So he came from Purdue, and him and John Alexander actually played together at Juco at Kilgore in Texas. So there's some chemistry there. Uh, secondary should take a step forward. They've, if Howard is as good as advertised, they will finally have a lockdown corner for the first time that I can remember. We talked about you know, getting away from maybe the secondary part. A guy like Marquise Watts, um, who's been around the program now for last few years, going into senior year. So what do you think? What do you think, Cameron? On what you've maybe seen, maybe in that scrimmage, and Hunter, you can tap on this next but his that that position that he's playing in that area has had a lot of success pro-wise uh, I think a guy named Alex Highsmith has been pretty successful I don't I don't know but uh, give me some thoughts on uh, Watson some other guys up there I mean yeah Alex is a Alex is a freak now with the Steelers but um yeah you know just you know I look at the linebackers and I'm thinking you know we got Tyler Murray back who recently named to the uh, Reese's award or Reese's senior, senior bowl. bowl. There we go. Senior bowl watch list. And, you know, the guy who led the team in tackles last year with uh, 49, I believe, and 23 of which were solo tackles. Um, we lose Tyreek Harris. And, you know, I was talking a little bit before we got started with Hunter about Harris and just his uh, his leadership will be missed. But I think, you know, you know Murray's going to be the defensive anchor, I, I really feel. so. It's a big year for him coming back, that news, a lot of people are really excited just because he has time. He had time to really get it in the system. Definitely. Yeah. Front four, um, you're looking at Ryan Wallace. Um, I think he's going to take a step forward at D-tackle. Um, got Joshua Bailey, who transferred in from Iowa State. He'll be one to watch. And then we know about Watts. Um, he kind of had a down year, battled through some injuries last year after – Nine and a half sacks in 2019. Uh, he benefited from having a guy like Alex Highsmith on the other side, but now, now he's that guy. He's that guy that's going to see that double team. He's got to be. And so, emerging on the other side of the him is going to be Kofi Wardlow, more than likely, either him or Michael Kelly. Um, 
This group, I believe they had five sacks last year in six games. Getting to the quarterback was non-existent, and that cost them in nearly every single game they played. Uh, so riding that ship is going to, in my opinion, be make or break for them this season. They and Last year was more of an offensive heavy in the times they could be offensive heavy team. So I think balancing it out, having those those fully guys at full strength now is really going to help a guy like Watts. And it's but that's and I've been harping on it, but I think he really has the potential. And from talking to Marcus West, uh, defense coordinator, and talking to people about you know who what he can do this year, he is going to uh, be. Kind of a breakout year. He's ha- he almost ha- not has to be, but there might be a little pressure there. But he looks good. He looks ready to go. Looks pretty fit. I feel like he's cut down a little bit. Um, since, you know, since the last couple of years, he definitely hasn't missed out on the weight room at all. <laughs> he's um watching him in some one on ones at practice. He's really quick. Uh, he should be a problem for opposing tackles this upcoming season. So let's talk about let's look in uh, something we haven't done yet, but um. Before we actually, before we go into that, let's talk about uh, something about Watts. He needs 1.5 sacks uh, to catch Larry Owner Joby for second all time with 13, who has 13 career sacks. So we're talking about him. That's something that I think is going to be interesting. Um, and another thing on the defense, the leader last year was Tyler Murray for tackles with 49. Uh, he had eight. Point two a game in his first year at the 49ers. That's one year, total brand new team, new everything, new conference, all that stuff. So you think the sky's the limit there. He was actually, he came on on the scout team the year before and was just a wrecking ball at practice. He was blowing up every play. Here he sat out, right? Yeah. And so they kind of knew what he was, what he was capable of. So when he stepped in, it's like 14 tackles. Fumble recovery, interceptions, all this against Appalachian State. It was like, okay, this we have a dude. <laughs> well, let's uh, go ahead and look into the 2021 season. So we're gonna kind of go off the off the dome here, the head here, and kind of talk about each game. We're gonna break it down really quick. Give me a prediction. Um, win or loss, don't have to go score. I once famously said we're gonna beat Duke by 14. So I'm no longer gonna say score. I'm just gonna say win or loss. Um, well, let's start with the first big game of the year. It's I, I've thought of this game for a long time. You have Duke. It's the first, I believe, Power 5 team to come to this state. Capacity, right over 15,000. The last big game to this would be App State, but this is a ACC team. Duke's been a little bit of a, a better program the last four, five, six years. So... Uh, September, it's on a Friday. It's going to be kind of a stand. It's going to be one of the biggest games of that night leading into the bigger, big one of the biggest weekends of the football season. Uh, it's on CBS Sports Network, so you're going to have people watching. So, first things first, I'm going to go win. I'm not going to say by how much, but I do think because of uh, fans being back, I think it's going to be a big thing. Fans being back, electricity, everything going on. Uh, I think. I really do think Charlotte can pull this off. Cameron, you, you give us yours. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm writing a five bold predictions for the season, and this is one of them. I, I think they're going to beat Duke. I think it's going to be close, and I'll go ahead and give a score. I think it's going to be like a three-point game. I think uh, Chris Cruz, the Cruz missile, is going to step up and hit a 43-yard field goal for the win. There we go. 
I died on this hill last year. I called Charlotte. It was like 28 to 24. We saw how that went. <laughs> I'm still on the same hill. Uh, I think they're going to beat a power five school this, this year. And I hope it's Duke. Yep. And uh, so real quick, let's move into the next game. And obviously we have a few weeks till that game. We figure out who wins that, but it'll be nice to revisit that at some point. Uh, let's talk about the second game of the year, which is going to be Saturday, September 11th against Gardner Webb. This is a game that wasn't played last year because of COVID, but the year before Charlotte shined out, uh, I believe their season or opener in 2019. So I'm going to real quick, I think it's going to be a blowout win. This is going to be a time to see a lot of different players make debuts. I think we'll see James Foster play. I think we'll see a lot of newer guys get some reps um, and real game action. Yeah, I mean, you never look, you never overlook a team, but at the same time, I mean, I think Charlotte will handle business pretty, pretty well. I really like Trey Lamb, Gardner Webb's head coach, but I'm, yeah, I'm Charlotte by four or five touchdowns. And I know Healy and Lamb are both pretty, pretty close, but I mean, when you get on the field. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's move into the first away game of the year at Georgia State on uh, ESPN Plus in Atlanta, Georgia. Going to be a night game there. I kind of, I'm going to be honest, I, I know this is, it, I think it, it's hard to go back on this game, but I'm going to say it's going to be a close loss for the 49ers. That's just me personally. I think uh, if I see, the way I see the season going, I think it's going to be kind of a weird place to play away in front of fans, all that stuff again. So I'm going to go Georgia State and 49ers get their first loss. Yeah, not to, you know, just stay agreeing with you the whole time, but I was thinking the same thing, you know, playing away against fans this time. It's uh, going to be kind of like a wake-up call, and I think it'll be close, maybe a touchdown game, but I think Charlotte will lose this one. I think Georgia State's really good. Um, 2019, it took Charlotte until super late in the season at UTEP to win a road game. Last year, they beat. It's, it's been it's been a tough point. Yeah, North Texas was the only road win last year, so yeah, I think this was, that was going to be tough for them. And they have some tough games, as we're going to get into, but on the road. Let's uh, talk about Middle Tennessee. This is a team they beat. I don't think they played last year, did they? Mm-hmm. No. It was, they uh, they it beat 34-20 in 2019. Yeah, it was canceled last season. Yeah. So you got a home game back on CBS Sports Network. I think that's also, you know, a side note. That's very – it's better than being, like, on ESPN3 and being shoved with every other team. Absolutely. This is given uh, – this is a primetime game, 630. So Friday night. Friday night games are highly watched, and you have one, two, three, three right there. Those are going to be some, uh, and then you got Thursday night game too, so that'll be big. But I'm going to go W for the 49ers. I think uh, playing a team like Middle Tennessee, they've been able to beat before. I know it was a couple years ago, but still I think it's going to be good home atmosphere, especially on a Friday night, a lot of fans, a lot of students. So I'll go Charlotte to pick up their third win. Yeah, I'm I'm going blowout 49ers win here, and I may be a little bold, but I I think that you know everybody's going to come out hype for a Friday night game again, and they're just gonna they're gonna do well on all facets. Yeah, students and fans they eat up those Friday night games. So I say probably be a packed house. Um, Charlotte Dub. I'm interested to see how the turnout is this year for with students because that was something that we saw a lot like two years ago. And even the small sample when, fan, you know, when there were games supposed to be played, those tickets sold out like that. Yeah, they just need to make sure 
tailgates are still alive. Yep. And then you can get people for the game from the tailgate. Last couple games of the season, like Marshall and North Texas, it was almost non-existent. You're going you're gonna to have your core, but it's important to build a very strong fan base. And there was a lot of hype, I think, from going to a bowl game. I, I still think it's around. Got to entice them with free food, man. Yeah, Bojangles. <laughs> Yeah, reasonable. And I, I think it'll be a week-by-week week scenario where you just don't know. I mean, it, it'll be hard, to to see. How, it, it's very important. There's a lot of alumni that I better really, really hoping that that happens. But moving into the next game, um, this is going to be, in my personal opinion, this is going to be the biggest uh, non-conference game I guess you could say Duke is first, obviously being home, but the biggest non-conference road game is going to be Illinois. October, Saturday, the second. Uh, no TV listed there yet, but TBA time as well. But I assume that's going to, the time in TV is going to depend on the, how these seasons go. Illinois has been back and forth, obviously, but it's a Big Ten, right? Duke last year was no good, nothing, and then we come in and we they, they beat us pretty bad. So this is a team that is a Big Ten team. They have Big Ten athletes. I personally think it's going to be a loss because, again, a very weak point for this 49er team is away game. So I think Illinois is going to hand 49ers another loss there. Yeah, I'm going to go loss simply like you noted because it is away. Um, Illinois is not notoriously known as a football school, but at the same time, you know, like you said, Charlotte's not the best out of games, and I think, you know, Illinois will have enough for them. I think Charlotte wins one Power 5 game this year, and I'm not sure if it's this one. It's, you know, and, and, that, and that's, very, that's very valid. It's hard. Now, moving into their next game, I think they're going to learn a lot from this game, and I think they learned a lot from that Duke game. Those are type of games that just put you in the gut, and I think there's a lot of little tiny things that Ely's a smart guy. We all three... I've heard him and heard him and heard him and heard. He knows what he's doing, and he's and, and the people around him know know what they're doing. He has a great staff. They've been together for years for a reason. I think they go the next week on Friday, October eighth. You know, CBS Sports Network seven o'clock game. I think they go in and get their first away victory of the year. I I do think that because I think they're really going to learn. I think FIU they've had some weak points. Uh, I think they're going to get that first win. It's their First conference USA game of the year. It's gonna be very important. And I think they'll get over that get over that hump. Yeah, one thing about FIU, they had like a non existent football season last year with cancellation after cancellation. I mean their their program, anyone on any given day would test positive. And so I don't know what to think about that game if it will even happen because FIU is just I mean, having problems after problems and I don't know if it'll continue into this season. I think Butch Davis is a really good coach. FIU has given Charlotte a ton of problems. Came in the last few games. Uh, hasn't been good. But I know last year some Charlotte players kind of gave the sentiment that FIU didn't really want to play them. Kind of why the game was canceled. <laughs> so I, I'd like to think that they're going to go down there and get it done. I I, I hope it. it's nice to see them maybe get over that hump of playing those Florida teams, they haven't had the greatest track record with FIU and FAU. 
So we go into a bye week, October 16th. So nothing there. Some time to refresh. Just in time for another huge, I would say, probably one of the biggest games of the year. It's it's very much up there conference-wise. Marshall will be up there. But Florida Atlantic, they host them on Thursday, October 21st. CBS Sports Network, 730, home game. Going to be a big one. So I this is one that I, I'm really it, – it's hard to – Hard to really guess, right? This is a team they've struggled with every single year. They struggled when Lane Kiffin was there. They've struggled. Just it, they they recruit very good players there. You could say it's location. You could say it's just the way they've gone about. But very good team there. I do think. I do think they're going to win, and the only reason why I think that is because of the energy. I think there's going to be enough time in the season, especially coming off a of bye week. It's it's a good time to really figure out things. So I'm going to go a. W there for Charlotte. You know, I'm I'm conflicted on this one as well. Um, I think W if we can get the run game going and going quickly. Um, I think if our run game struggles to, you know, get up and going, I think we could lose this game by two or three touchdowns. So that's just my expert analysis, if you will. Charlotte beat this team for three quarters last season out of meltdown. You got to close out. Yep. Uh, I think it depends on the run defense. FAU has a stable of backs. Um, Charlotte hasn't traditionally been very good run defense under Will Healy, so I think it just kind of depends where they're at that point of the season. I guess I'm gonna, uh, I can't do it. I'm gonna say L. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say loss. I don't I don't think we, you know, our offense comes out a little flat early, and I don't think we can recover. All right, let's move into the next game, the last game in October, another big game. Because it's an away game, it's a conference game. Western Kentucky, this is a team they've also struggled with last year. Not the best showing. It was like a, like maybe the one real game they could play towards that end of the year. I think it was the last game of the season. I personally think they're going to lose for two reasons. Western Kentucky is strong every single year. They've proved it time and time again, it being away. And I've, I've harped on it time and time again. But when that's all you can really go off of and – how weak they've been in a way game so far. I think it's going to be a loss there for the 49ers. What do you think, Cameron? Uh, I'm going to go win. I think, A, they have a chip on their shoulder from, you know, last season. You know, last season I think they had two or three games canceled up until they played Western Kentucky, and so they didn't get a lot of reps in before that game. So, A, there's a chip on their shoulder there, and I also predicted the loss the previous week, so I think they're going to bounce back from the loss um, against Florida Atlantic. 2020's game against Western Kentucky, it was rough on senior day. Um, kind of brings me back to 2019. So I think this was the last game they dropped to go to two and five. But this was the first game where the defense looked real. And was, I believe they pitched like a second half shutout. They still lost. But that was kind of the turnaround for the defense. I'd like to say they go on the road and get a dub. I. I hope I think it's one of those things that you really want to see. It's not a, I'm not saying it's a necessity, but just when you things are kind of shaky at home with some of these home games, it's really good to get any away win you can when you've struggled on the road before. And we'll move into another game, another home game. We're going to look at uh November. So Saturday the 6th. November's fun, that's playoff football time. You're getting towards the end of the season. At this point, they're going to have four games, including the Rice game left. So I think it's going to be a win. I think Rice has struggled. 
especially if you look at last year. They've uh, they've had a lot of from what they did play last year. They had some issues. They've you know lost to some teams that have been made strengths for the 49ers. I think at home, this is a team that particularly correct me if I'm wrong. Rice has not or 40, the Charlotte has not played. So it'll be interesting to see some new blood there. And what what do you got, Cameron? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to scout a team when you don't when you hadn't played them before. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I think Charlotte gets the win. Um, don't really know a you know score prediction per se, but you know I think Charlotte gets the job done. Rice kind of changed my perception of them when they shut Marshall out last year, twenty to zero. Yeah, I'm that, looking at that right now. I kind of I realize that. They've got some dogs on defense. Uh, or maybe Marshall is overrated. Well, Marshall <laughs> did fade down the stretch a little bit. but uh, I like the Steelers. They, they were a good Ooh, team last year. Oh, oh, oh. oh, whoops. Shouldn't have said that. Forgot. We, we got a guy on there. Well, go ahead. Rice is good. Um, so deep in the season, it's hard to predict. So I'm just a toss-up. All right. We'll go. Uh, we'll kind of hit these last three uh, real quick. LA Tech or Louisiana Tech, first time ever playing for Charlotte. Always a strong team. I think it's going to be a loss because it's away. That's just me. What do you got, Cameron? Yeah, I'm going to say loss there. We've, you know, my predictions have been they won the past few. So I'm going to say, you know, it's another loss for the 49ers. Playing a team for the first time ever, going to be, going to be some excitement. But going on the road, LA Tech's really good. It's going to be tough. Yep. All right. We'll move to the next one. We got Marshall at home. November the 20th. So late in the season, obviously, it's harder to predict these games. I'm going to go lost. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I just think Marshall's very skilled. I think they're going to have to have some breaks to win this game, but loss overall. Win, and for one reason only, it's at home. I, I think the home crowd is going to be there pumping them up, and I think you know the defense is really going to give uh, their quarterback trouble. I like Charles Huff, their new head coach. Uh, he's recruiting like crazy for them. That's a famous saying right now. It's rat poisoning anything in the media. But that's senior day for Charlotte. That's senior day for Chris Reynolds. That's senior day for Victor Tucker, Tyler Murray. There's a lot of guys that are about to graduate. I think that's going to mean a lot to them. I think that looks a lot like the 2019 senior day for Charlotte. That's a dub. Yep, I could be I could be wrong there. So we'll see. Uh, we'll go to the last game of the year, Old Dominion. This is a game they won a couple years ago, that last game away. I'm going to go W there. Yeah, W to quotes out the season. I'm thinking that's for bowl eligibility for them, so that's a dub. Yeah, two Old Dominions, a team that didn't play last year, so it's going to be hard for them to really get their season going at all. Uh, I don't think they're going to have too much to play for at that last game of the season, so we'll see how it goes. But that caps it off for predictions. As we get to the end of the show, we'll kind of talk about kind of wrap this all up. Obviously, we've talked about the offense. We talked about the defense. We talked about culture. What is uh, one standout, maybe bold prediction, Hunter? You've seen this team. It, it could be a player. Every year, there's always something that just comes out of nowhere. So give me a bold prediction. I'd say they got their first shutdown corner potentially ever. Geo Howard. I think that's going to do wonders for them. Maybe Marching. You know, I've got two. Um, I think Tyler Murray – makes the Reese's Senior Bowl and makes all-conference first team, as well as uh, the 49ers are going bowling again this year. Uh, for me, I I think we're going to – my bold prediction is going to – I think we're going to see a lot of quarterback play between Chris Reynolds and James Foster. 
And I think it's going to happen later in the season. I don't think it's going to happen first thing. And I think as James Foster can really learn this offense, learn how things are going, it's bold. And that's why I'm saying it, but I think it's very possible. I do think things would have to not go wrong with Reynolds, but if there's some things that might not go too well or schemes, that type of stuff, I do think you can see more of a dual quarterback uh, usage. I think that would be more earlier on in the season. And the only reason I say that is uh, the end of the season is when you want, you know. Your guy there. Just that, and you, I mean, you, want, the, you want it solidified who's going to be your quarterback. I mean, yeah, dual threat, you know, you can use both of them, but I think they might toss some of that in first three, four games, not towards the end. I think James Foster's a great athlete, great attitude, great leader. He's not going to be on the sideline all season. That doesn't mean he's going to take over, be the starting quarterback. But, I mean, you saw last year they did two quarterback looks. We watched Dom Schaffner throw Chris Reynolds a touchdown last year with a Philly special. Like, these guys, Mark Carney can mix it up. They're going to both play a role, but I'm still on the same boat. Like, this is Chris Reynolds' team. All right. Well, uh, to kind of sum it up, some uh, things I might have missed throughout this Throughout the show, obviously, one big thing, 100th game in program history uh, for the 49ers, which is going to be Marshall. Ah, On senior senior night, that's your 100th game in program history, which they started in 2013. It's crazy that, you know, looking at everything that's happened, it's uh, finally here, but I think Yeah, you say that, there's no way they're losing that game now. (laughs) Well, see, when I read it, I was like, ah, maybe I could, you know, but this will be a game that Cameron will uh, remind me of if I get it wrong, just like the Duke game last year. Um, but anyway, to close this out, uh, it's been a great show. been a good time to talk about football. I'm sure we'll get to talk to Hunter again in some kind of capacity this season. So, Hunter, uh, kind of tell us where we, uh, people could find your stuff. I know you're going to be very easy to find uh, on the Observer, um, but – I know you got a Twitter. I know you got a lot of people. I know you're verified. You have a blue check mark. Uh oh. So tell us. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I actually had to look up the username just now <laughs> Hunter underscore Bailey 45. Uh, yeah, you guys will catch me there. I'll probably be pitching in sometimes on Underdog Dynasty. One of my favorite articles to write are like a player focus, being able to tell someone's story. Um, you'll probably catch me on both this season. You got a favorite story you've told so far? I really like Alex Heisman's story. So he was actually my first interview. Um, Were you nervous? Oh, of course I was nervous, man. I I reached out to him. This was before he was a junior. So a rising senior. So everybody knew this guy had the talent, but he wasn't like on the draft boards and everything yet. And reached out to him. It's like, hey, man, I'll meet you at the student union this time. It's like, cool. He stood me up. Really? I go there. Waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I get back in my car, go home. He calls me later that night. He's like, dude, I am so sorry. So we met up later, told me, walk on, came all the way. Now he's in a league getting sacks on my favorite quarterback. So you ever talk to him now or, you know, something? I mean, I know now it's like, especially right now for him, it's like every single day he's going, but. Yeah. Talked to him on his birthday a little bit. I was good to catch up. Uh, That's my dude. I'd. Hope he's up there living it up in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's going to be a big, I mean, talking about pros just a little bit before we wrap up. I mean, he's going to be, I think, the best pro to come out. I mean, you got Larry Joby who is now in Cincinnati. You got 
Nate Davis, obviously Cam Clark, Dylan Andrew with the Jets, but you got a, a very slew of quarter people playing with teams now. You have Benny LeMay, bulldozing through defenses. Uh, Trending on Twitter. Yeah. Because trend- of a flag. Pat McAfee. Recently, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Pat McAfee. I don't know how many people that listen, listen to him, but, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good stuff happening in the NFL uh, 49er-wise. Definitely. Nate Davis, is he's up there, too. He's about to sign a really big contract. Either that or he just did. He's probably the best yeah. lineman the Titans got. Yeah, you get to protect the beast, the Derek king. Henry. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, when you're when you're blocking for the league's best rusher, I mean, you know you're you're doing something good. Yeah, but all right, well, uh, kind of wrap this up, Cameron. You tell me. I know you're going to be writing with uh, us over at the Niner Times, doing some stuff there. But tell me a couple other things, just so we can kind of, you know, where you can find you. Uh, yeah, uh, my social C Williams Sports on Twitter. You know, I'm writing for the Niner Times primarily, um, doing some stuff for Agent49.net. Um, primarily football and men's basketball. That's where, you know, he focuses um, his time on. But uh, I also freelance for the Charlotte Observer. I do a little bit of high school work for them. So, Well, uh, it's been great talking about all this football stuff. I know it's been uh, nice to – there's still a lot that we didn't unpack, but we've been going a a while here. So to be plenty of opportunities to talk, I know we're going to try to do the whole Twitter space thing and maybe do some quick – easy call in and have a lot of people on there that uh kind of want to just hear about how things are going throughout the season so it's been great uh you know you as for me you can find me on social media at bradley cole 13 on twitter which i still remember i made that when i was 13 um very simple and uh i think 13 was for dan marino i love the dolphins yeah i was 13 and it also was 2013 now that i think about it my 13 year old self probably made it because it was the year 13 but i do know that every single time i played a sport it was 13 best quarterback and never won a super bowl yeah um i'm you don't gotta remind me oh <laughs> um, i thought that was it's tony romo actually but no mm, no he's the best analyst <laughs> i got it. i'm a cowboys fan and dan marino is better than tony romo that hey tony romo is a really good analyst i i'm a, obviously we're all media people so you pay attention to stuff like that but you when you listen to his game, especially from a standpoint of like us, it's kind of fun. So this was what part one of a you say three part series. Of yeah, the we're gonna hopefully talk have Coach Healy on here in the next uh, you know before the season starts at least, and kind of uh, maybe talk to some other people around the team, players, and obviously Hunter is a good start because he has seen the team from obviously years past, but from start to finish this year. Um, yeah, it's good to talk, hash it up, and uh, talk about the team more. As coach, I'm sure he will give us good insight, but Coach is a funny, funny guy, so he'll give us some life stories too. He always pitches me and pitches in some some of that in his interviews. But uh, you know that'll do it for us. Uh, I'm Bradley Cole. I'm Cameron. And I'm Hunter. And it's been great having a good guest in here, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Niner Sports Talk presented by Uptown Audio.